Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Are the Bucks facing a trap game? Can the Gators and Knowles get back on track? And can USF keep rolling? All that and more on a Football Friday. This is Rick and Tom Podcast, but you already knew that. Thanks for tuning in. We're on SoundCloud and TampaBay.com. Better yet... We're there wherever you get your podcast. So subscribe and get the best sports talk in Tampa Bay every day, Monday through Friday. We'll get you ready for another big weekend in football on this particular podcast. We'll work backwards here, Rick. Start with Sunday as the Bucks head to Arizona. You and I will be there. And as Han Solo, you know, I'm in the Star Wars mood right now. Uh, as he would say, I got a bad feeling about this, Rick. This feels like a trap game to me. One of those games where I have absolutely no good explanation for what I'm about to say other than the Bucks are going to lose on Sunday. I don't know why I feel that way, but they are. They're going to lose. Right, you got me back in the radio days with uh, the Bucks uh, at the big toaster in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, Tommy, I miss Boomer. I'll be honest with you. I miss um, Boomer too. Yeah. Look, I, I know, miss you. I, I miss you doing Boomer. You should uh, do it more often. Yeah. yeah. I, the, I know what you're saying because any, to me, it's like uh, trying to figure out the NFL is very difficult. It is a week-to-week business, and – I thought this way last year. I thought that the, the, the Bucks, after their win in Atlanta on the road week one, that they were going to have no trouble with Arizona, who had gotten you know beaten by, I think, the Patriots in week one a year ago. And, and now, you know, Arizona coming off a, a you know, just got demolished by Philadelphia 34-7, to and they don't look like a good football team at all. And, you know, the Bucks seem to be better, even though they're 2-2, two and two, have had an extra day or two off, you know, with the Thursday game. But I know what you're saying. I mean, it, it, it just it feels to me like they're the better football team. And if they if they show up and play that way and play, if both teams play their best, the Bucks should win. Uh, and I say that because they're they're getting whole again. You know, Doug Martin coming back um, the way he did last week. This is the place where Doug Martin got hurt, where he had the hamstring injury. They had a bunch of turnovers late in that first half. The game got out of hand. Um, assuming that that doesn't happen in the history, and I talked to him today, plans on hydrating himself better or something this this, this week. Um, I, I think that th- they just seem to be getting healthier. And you might have T.J. Ward back. You could have either Quan Alexander and Levante David back. Maybe none of them come back. But they, they seem to be a better football team than they were a year ago. And with Doug Martin, assuming he can play a whole game, I think that's that's going to be the difference in this one. There's every reason to believe what you just said. I agree with you 100%. There's, they are the better football team than Arizona. They are getting healthy again. I, I trust that, that this team can make plays. There's something, though, about going out west, and I don't know what it is, Rick, and I realize I'm not a well-conditioned athlete, but you're, everything feels a little bit off when you go out west. I don't care what day you go out there. The timing feels different. I don't know if it impacts players like it impacts people like me and regular people, but you, you do get this sense that, that, that you're on a – you're in a different part of the world, like truly, like literally you are a different part of the world, but it, it's, it's palpable. It, you realize that it's, you're behind, everything just feels off. And I think that's why teams have difficulty going out West sometimes. I, it may, I'm, this may be crazy talk, but there does seem to be something off when they go out West 
every team, not just the Bucks. Yeah, I think it's harder going east. Um, to be honest, the West Coast teams they have to play at 10 a.m. You know, on their That's body true. clocks. Yeah. Um, you know, this is like a one o'clock game. I mean, they're playing. Well, it's like a Eastern. four o'clock game, right? Like which they play. But, but right, it's a, if, right. Giants. But to them, it'll be you know, it'll be like a four o'clock game, correct? Yeah, you know, it'll be right. one o'clock out there. So, I don't, I don't, and, and I will say this too that you know, you, this is usually brought up with bad football teams. But last <laughs> year, last year, because the Bucks remember never won on the West Coast. They never won when it was under forty degrees. They never won in, in domes. They never, you know, they didn't win anywhere. So did you, you had all those things. But last year, they actually were a pretty good road team, and they did well on the West Coast. I mean, they did not win in Arizona, you're right. But they did win um, in San Francisco. They won at San Diego. That's true. Uh, That's true. They traveled well. They traveled early on those games. They went out there on Friday, uh, got a little adjusted. I think the plane ride is, is, is difficult for 300-pound men. Uh, right. I don't care what seats you're in. It's just a long way to go with, with professional athletes who – have worked, you know, in the heat all week and, you know, airplane travel dehydrates you to, to start with. These guys, um, you know, are trying to, to stay hydrated and, and it's just a long way to sit. But I think the Bucks, you know, have done everything they can to, to try to minimize that, as most teams do. Um, but I know, I know what you're saying. They, you know, typically they haven't. I just think it's much harder for a, a team from the West to go East. I don't disagree with that. The Bucks, though, when they played in Arizona last year, maybe I'm being impacted by what happened in Arizona of last course. year because they were a better team than Arizona last year, too, and they went yep. out there and got, got their helmets handed to them. Uh, this feels like a trap game to me. They should win. They're coming yeah. off what I thought was a pretty good performance overall against New England. They, they couldn't score at the end of the game there. Maybe for a field goal kicker makes a couple of kicks, they win that game. Uh, but this has all the makings uh, of a of a game where they should win, and it, it's uh, if you call that a trap game, I guess that's what it is. What do they need to do though, Rick, to win this football game? To sort of if they, if they are going to be a little bit shaky at times, what can they do to overcome it? How can they win this game? Well, I, I just think they have to sort of you know get back to whatever um, identity that they they think they're going to have this year, you know. And it's a difficult thing to pinpoint because they've been without Doug Martin. And, you know, he'll, they'll have him. He's been through a whole game now. He said he got a little bit gassed, you know, late in that game. Uh, but he's had contact. He, he's very confident because of the way he responded to that. Um, and, you know, you've got plenty of weapons for Jameis to throw to. And Jameis needs to continue to not turn the ball over. He had the one game out of four where he did have turnovers at Minnesota. Um, sort of that he is he's not turned it over. He needs to um, check the ball down a little bit more, make some quicker decisions, maybe not go for as much and, and, and you know early in games. But really, I, I think if they line up and play their style of football, they'll be okay because the Cardinals cannot run the ball. And to that point, you know their biggest task on defense is going to be keeping them one-dimensional. Adrian Peterson is going to be their running back this week. Well, Adrian Peterson... Um, did nothing in New Orleans, which is why they were willing to trade him for you know a conditional late round pick. He has not uh, done much in the last two years. He's averaged under three yards a carry, and it's an interesting matchup because two years ago, Peterson was the top rusher in the NFL, and Doug Martin was number two. And right. you know now now they they both are sort of trying to restart their careers. Although Doug is younger than Adrian, but. Unless, unless somehow Adrian Peterson is turned loose on the Buccaneers and they can't tackle the guy, I think that you know they're going to be a one-dimensional team. And Carson Palmer, even though he's thrown for the second most yards in the NFL, some of that's been out of necessity because they've been behind. 
and he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not a guy he can he can slide in the pocket a little bit, but they want to try to attack the ball, attack it downfield. So really, if you can't run it and they make them one-dimensional like I think they will, I don't think the Bucks have to do a lot except protect the football, and that's that's the area they got into last year. They allowed the Arizona Cardinals to – you know, create turnovers and 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 they they blitz a lot early in, in the downs. They try to get you in third and longs, and and they played into their hands a little bit. Adrian Peterson, Rick, talked to reporters on Wednesday, and he's thirty two years old now. He said, "I have so much left. I'd love to play at least four or five more years, God willing. I have a lot left in the tank." I'm not saying that he doesn't have maybe games left in him where he might have big moments where he can't maybe go out and rush for 120, 130 yards, three or four years. There's no way. I think he plays that long. He's not the same running back that he was a couple of years ago. And if uh, if I have a choice of right now moving forward, who would I rather have, Adrian Peterson or Doug Martin? I'd rather take Doug Martin. I'm excited about what Doug Martin can bring to this team the rest of the year, Rick. You mentioned it. You talked to him on Wednesday or on Thursday, and he said he feels better. He, he feels much better, right, than uh, than he thought he would at this point in the, in the season after playing just one game, and he felt good after sitting out essentially since training camp he hasn't been around and I'm excited about what he can bring to this offense I know that that's the history of Doug Martin he's really good until he isn't good anymore and you never know when that goes away and you never know what if it's because of an injury or he's had some other issues with, that we've all known about now but if he can run the football and you can give him the ball uh, 18 20 times a game I think he could be a really productive back for a couple more years for you well, he's you know the difference is their age, right? He's twenty eight, and right. uh, and you mentioned Adrian is older than that, but thirty two. Um, you know, yeah, Peterson, Peterson's a unique athlete, and I think he showed just you know remember the year he came off the ACL, and everybody doubted how quickly that had happened and whether or not he would be affected. And I think he went out and damn near had two thousand yards. Yeah, he was a freak um, that year. Yeah, yeah, and and so he's always been off the charts freakish athletically always biggest guy strongest guy used to be the fastest guy i'm not sure he has that speed anymore uh and you know he's never been a guy that could help you in the passing game he's a downhill runner you know he's not necessarily going to get a lot of perimeter runs so and, and the other thing is he hasn't carried the ball much you know he just hasn't hasn't really gotten the workload to get him going. Now, maybe Arizona will, will give him that opportunity because they have, Lord knows they have nobody else. The difference in this game and last year's game is maybe the, the most dangerous running back in the league, and David Johnson uh, had a huge impact when they played Arizona a year ago, as he does right. in every game. I mean, he's a fantasy player of the year, um, but he's out, and so now they're, they're going to turn ahead Chris Johnson. He didn't work out. I mean, the graveyard is full of 30-plus-year-old running backs who ended up with the Arizona Cardinals, including Emmett Smith. Okay, I, I covered Emmett Smith's last game in Arizona for the Cardinals. Right. They won, by the way, but that's another story. But he was not good, and it was sad. You know, it was it really was. It was like watching Namath with the Rams or whatever. But it was it was really just you know it was over. You know, he stayed past past closing time. So. I just I in the first game that Adrian Peterson is in this offense, I know. You know, it's not. I mean, this isn't. You know, it's not rocket surgery. You can you can go ahead and have. You know, you you can run the zones and you can run you know the, the powers and things like that. He he's not he's not gonna have a difficult time. You know, being handed the ball by Carson Palmer and then you know running through the B gap or the C gap. I mean, 
he'll know what to do instinctively. But it is his first game, and timing is an issue. Their offensive line is not great. So, you know, I think really it's on the Bucks. I mean, they've got to rally the ball and, and, and stop the run. And, and they and will because Joe McCoy right now is playing as good a football as I've seen him play. Yeah, he's I think wrecking, so. He's wrecking game plans. He's yeah. destroying offensive linemen. He's in the backfield constantly. Even if he's not making a tackle, he's driving people the other ways. Joe McCoy is is is, at, is playing at such an elite level right now, I think. And this is after he's, he's been banged up a little bit. I was really surprised how well he came back and played against New England and the mm. Giants, particularly the Giants game, after having watched him in Minnesota in the locker room limp around like yeah. I thought he was he was going to be out for a month. Yeah. Uh, off, anything that Arizona does off, I'm not worried about the Bucks defense. That's, and that's a weird thing to say, that I'm not worried that the Bucks are going to go out there and play reasonably well on defense. It's odd, though, to sit here and say, if they're going to not win this game, it's going to be because their offense doesn't score enough points. Yeah. I, I never thought I would say that about this team, particularly – Going into the season, when we had the, when we, had, we saw all the weapons that they got for Winston, yeah, they just haven't hit their stride yet. And like I said, I, I think look, look, I think a lot of that had to do with not having Doug Martin. I mean, they knew they were going to have to survive three games. They went two and one. Um, they lost to the Patriots. It was not Doug's fault. He wasn't as good, you know, didn't have much of a role in the fourth quarter. Um, the quarterback has started slow in some games, but then he's finished every the last two games really well. I mean, he's. You know, he drove them down there once, you know, and, and got the lead against the Giants. Then they gave the lead up again, and then he went back down there and, and drove them for the game-winning field goal. Last week, um, you know, he had a couple more late-game-type heroics and, and was throwing the ball from the 19-yard line to maybe win the game. So I think he's playing he's playing better. I, I think that um, there's still a work in progress with Deshaun, and, and, and there's just a lot of mouths to feed. You know, I, I think yeah. when you have that many weapons – the temptation is, let's get Mike going. Let's get let's get Deshaun going. Let's get Brait involved. Let's what can we have for OJ? Well, what about Doug Martin? Let's make sure that he gets his. So I think they're working through all that a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, and sure. I think does. I think eventually it's got to begin with Doug Martin. I think you know having Doug Martin. Can I say Doug Martin enough? Doug Martin. Uh, well. <laughs> It sounds like, like John Madden. Hey, Brett Favre, you know, Doug Martin is Doug Martin. I mean, hey, Martin. Hey, hey. But he really is a he really is that sort of tempo setter in, in that eventually, um, whether it's Tyrone Matthew or whoever has to has to get down in the box and there's going to be a single safety with all those guys, you know, outside trying to stop the running back. And that's when the play action is going to give Jameis separation. It's going to let those downfield routes develop. There's going to be bigger windows. And this is a man coverage team, so there might not be very many windows this week just because Patrick Peterson and those guys get after it pretty good. But the Bucks like their matchups. They're not afraid at throwing at those guys. Uh, so I have less concern with their offense right now against in this matchup, really. Uh, maybe I'm naive, and maybe I just think that you know they progress to a point with, with Doug Martin that um, that's not going to be an issue. But I, I think – you know, I know that the way the Cardinals won last year, in addition to you know, keeping it in, in David Johnson's hands, they still take shots. They throw the ball down the field as much as any team in football. And Larry Fitzgerald is still playing at a, at a decently high level, uh, and they're going to try to force the ball downfield. And when you're throwing at Vernon Hargraves, who's up and down every other week, 
Brent Grimes is not being tested. You might have a rookie safety in, in Justin Evans. You just got to make sure you keep things in front of you. And I think, you know, they cannot afford to get get behind and put Jameis in one of these deals where Doug Martin is not a factor because you have to abandon the run in the first half. Well, we've seen in games in the past, Rick, and it's easy to point to the defense and say, well, the defense broke down. They gave up too many points. You look back at the minute. And I, the Minnesota game to me is a perfect example of this, where you sit there and you say, wow, the defense let them down. But I always go back to the offense. The offense scored three points in that first half of that game. Right, there right. have to be times where that offense at least keeps pace with the other team until mm-hmm. your defense can get on track again. You can't be getting behind the, Fourteen to three, then twenty-one to three. At some point, your offense has to score some points, and that's why I would love to see. And I'm sure the Bucks would love to see. They could really use this more than anything else. Is Jameis Winston to have one of these days where he comes out just hot, hot yeah. as hell? You know, where yeah. he's coming out seven of his first eight for yeah. 122 yards and, and a touchdown, yeah. and then and then have one of these just monster games where you look at his stats at much. the end. Yeah. yeah, where you look at the end of the day and he was 27 for 32 yeah. for 372 yards and three touchdowns and he had and and, hit, and I don't care who he's thrown to he threw the ball 45 times to Adam Humphreys for all I care but and I know he can't think that way we can but he can't they just need one of these games where, where Winston right from the start just comes out and and dominates a game and don't put your defense in a position where okay we have to stop him on this driver we're going to fall behind by three touchdowns yeah that's what's happened too many times and it's what happened in the Arizona game frankly last year they didn't score any points either yeah, it did. And and yet, you know, having said all that, I mean, and a lot of it was late late year success, but they had a lot of success on the road last year going 5 and 3. But they've only played the Minnesota game and it it did seem to get out of hand. There's no doubt Jameis turns it over way more on the road than he does at home. That's a fact. And so all those things, all those points are valid. I mean, funny things happen when you're in the other stadium, you know? I mean, um, you got to kind of make your own breaks. You have to play, I think, a lot more clean as a visitor. And you're talking about procedure penalties and that, and the noise can become a factor, all those things. But I think they handled it well. I also think, you know, this team has a recognition that this division can get away from them. I mean, you know, Carolina got off to a 4-1 and start, uh, you know, going into the Thursday night game, uh, you, you know, with Philadelphia. Atlanta is still a very good team. They have three wins. So even though you've played one less game than some teams in this division, you know even New Orleans, which is tied, had the same has the same record as the Bucks, they've not had they've not turned the ball. You realize they've not turned the ball over. Uh, That's in, amazing. And going for a record for five games without a turn. So, I mean, this is going to be a, a tight division, one that you can't afford to fall too far off the pace. And I think there's a sense of urgency at One Buck Place. I sensed it. I think I think they want to atone for what was just, you know, it's, I don't think it's a bad thing that they got their butts handed to them in this stadium a year ago. I think they, they know now it can happen. They know how quickly things can escalate in Glendale. And I think that they're going to be a little more wary of that. And I, I think actually it might actually serve them well in this game. I know it's only a quarter way into the season. They've only played four games. So much football left to be played. But if you take a quick, a quick glance at the NFC already, and I think we the Giants are – you can dismiss them. They're 0-5, oh, yeah. and they got yes. a, a, a thousand guys hurt. Right. And you can probably dismiss Chicago because they're 1-4, and four and they they're, they have a rookie sure. quarterback who's going to take a while to figure his his situation out. And then you got San Francisco. They're 0-5, and, and they're, they're, they don't have a quarterback either. And they're, John Lynch right. is trying to rebuild that thing out there. Other than those three teams everybody is a contender for a playoff spot every single team there's not there's not a dog team if you throw out the giants and and the bears and the 49ers everybody else i could see being a a problem 
and a hassle as the season goes along. Now, some teams will fade out of that. I understand. But every already, I mean, everybody, even like teams like the Cowboys are two and three. Yeah. Um, you know, Minnesota, Detroit, Green Bay, that, that's, those are all good teams so far. Minnesota, now Minnesota may have trouble keeping up, but they're three and two. You know, yeah. Arizona's two and three. The West, Seattle, uh, the Rams, three and two, three and two. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a league anymore, Rick. You 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 were on this actually a couple of years ago, where you said everybody is seven and seven with two games left. Everybody yeah. is you know six or six and six at least with with four mm-hmm. games left, and it's how you do in the last three or four games that determines who gets in the playoffs and who doesn't. You can't kick these games away. Is my great, greater point. Sixteen no. games, you can't afford to lose any of them. Really, no, deep down, I mean, every no. game is a it's a must have game. But this is a game where you look at. I don't expect them to go to Atlanta and win. You don't write that down as a W. I don't expect them to uh, to sweep Carolina. That's not going to happen. But you go to Arizona. You need to if you're going to be a playoff team. You need to win that game. Yeah, it feels that way. And and, and like I said, I mean, I I really think they're confident they can do that. Look, I've not been a big Carson Palmer fan for a number of years. You know, we talked to Why Bruce Arians. You never liked he, that guy. Well, no, he, he says he's playing great. It just it seems to me as if, and I keep waiting for this. I mean, he has arm talent, but. I, there's going to come a point where his lack of mobility becomes a lack of being able to protect himself. You know what I mean? It hasn't happened yet, although he's he's taken some sacks, as is Tom Brady, I suppose you could argue as well. But Arian says he's playing as good as anyone. Um, and yet, you know, he was beat up pretty good by the, by the Eagles because, again, when you can't run the football, if there's ever a quarterback in the league that needs some balance, it's the guy who can't extend plays with his legs and, and – you know, has to rely on a good, clean pocket and all those things, and that's Carson Palmer. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, while he's remarkable and keeps keeps playing at a high level, it seems, is not the Larry Fitzgerald of old. He's not going to play that many more years. There's some talk about him not even coming back this year. So uh, I, I don't look at the Cardinals, who's the oldest, and again, let me be clear, they're not the <laughs> oldest franchise. They're the oldest by age. Their players are the oldest team in the league. Um I, I just think that yeah, I got you know, to, to, just to explain. I got that confused on a, a previous podcast yeah. where I actually I had thought, somebody. T- I actually had somebody tell me that they are in fact the oldest franchise. I was <laughs> wondering about that when they start off like as the Chicago Cardinals. The Chicago or Cardinals, there, right? yeah. yeah. So I might. Ken Burns might, is going to do a documentary about it. Uh, I could be wrong and I could be right. It could be hot. It could be cold. <laughs> it could be this or it could be that. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't. I, I I just don't see their roster. They got pieces. There's no doubt. Every, every every NFL team is capable, but they lost Calais Campbell, for example. They've lost guys on defense that really were impactful last year. Um, the corner, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, that had two interceptions of Jameis last year is no longer there. So, you know, it's not the same Cardinals team. It's a worse Cardinals team, period. Car- Carson Palmer, you talk about Carson Palmer, and he was one of those guys, Rick, I look back – I think his whole career, and I, he's had a decent career, and this was a long time ago. Remember that year that Cincinnati was really good, really good, and they hosted the Steelers in a playoff game, and he got his knee wrecked on a you know, semi-dirty yeah. hit, and and he went down, and I think the Steelers went on to win the Super Bowl that year, and I think that should have been the Bengals. You wonder if his entire career would have been different if that if that play had never happened. And we would look at him differently because he would maybe have a Super Bowl title. Uh, and I, I know he's come back since then. But that, that was that seemed like, boy, that was the year. And that could have started something special for Carson Palmer. I think you would think differently of him today if he had maybe had a Super Bowl on his resume. Maybe his career would have gone differently if he'd have won a Super Bowl at some point. It's just well, – uh, Yeah, I mean, you always think 
differently about guys that won a Super Bowl. I mean, that's that goes without saying. Kurt Warner ended up taking the Arizona Cardinals. I just don't think Carson Palmer is that guy who is just good enough to make you think that you know what? There's plenty in the tank here. We could go. If everything goes right, we could actually go deep in the playoffs and maybe to a Super Bowl. So you don't really, you know, they, the Cardinals have not invested and or found, you know, Drew Stanton notwithstanding, they have not found the heir apparent and who their franchise quarterback will become. And so it's like you look at him, you look at him, you go, well, look at some of the look at some of the schmucks playing in the NFL right now. I like yeah. my guy better than I like all those other guys. And so you keep him and he ends up, not being able to pull you through. And, and as the season goes on, it'll become harder and harder for these guys. But, I mean, he's still, he still has arm talent. He still can throw the ball down the field. He's still dangerous that way. The Bucks, when they played last year, the first eight weeks, they had poor communication in the secondary. They were awful. They got some new pieces back there still. But I, I still believe that this, this really – and I will say this and they'll get waxed. <laughs> this game should not be that difficult for the Bucks. If the Bucks are who we thought they were, Dennis Green, they should absolutely win this game. Crown, their ass. Crown them then. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. They, 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 should, they should win this game, and they should win it without a lot of sweat. It should be one of those where, yeah, we did them. We were better. You know what? That's yep. who we are. That's who they are. Who's next? That's the attitude that the Bucks should have after this week. Anything short of that, nail biter, getting blasted, losing on the, at the whatever else the whatever other income or outcome there is, income too, but outcome there is. I would say that that's a major problem for this football team. And look, they're not whole. I don't know that Levante or Quan or T.J. Ward or even you know. Tandy is going to play. I'm telling you, with who they lined up with against the New England Patriots on Thursday night, if that group goes back out there again, they should be able to beat the Arizona Cardinals, even if it's in Glendale. I'll t- I agree with you 100%, and I'll tell you what it'll come down to. If Jameis plays like he did in the fourth quarter against New England, that will happen. And if he plays like he did in the first three quarters, although you th- seem to think he played a little bit better than everybody else, or many people that I thought he played. Uh, he's got to – this all comes down to Jameis, Rick. If Jameis – Jameis can play a really good football game. They will go. They'll go out and destroy. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why you're wrong. I'll tell you why you're a little wrong about it. This is, and I look. I've been as hard on him with his bad starts as anyone because I, I mean I wrote about it on last Sunday. Sure. Especially the national TV games, which this is as about far off the radar of national television as any game there is in the league this week. It's going to point two percent of the country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for goodness sakes, the Rams Jacksonville is a big deal compared to this, right? A really big deal. So when would we have said that before the season started? So this is off the grid, so to speak. <laughs> whoever, um, whoever the announcers are for this game, they get this, they get this, they get their schedule. And they're like, ah, oh, Cardinals, Bucks, ah. Oh. Yeah, well, they start, start immediately looking for golf courses. <laughs> in get my, well, they, well, they, and they better start getting brushed up their resume because there aren't many games. 
or it's on the schedule if you get assigned that game. Yeah, I anyway. think Charles Davis might be doing this game. I'm not sure. Oh, so really? Have, well, I like Charles Davis. I was going to say, you're blasting a guy that's uh, actually pretty talented. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure about that. But anyway, I lost my train of thought. I don't know what we're talking I'm about. I'm sorry. I, no, I, you were saying why I'm wrong about Jameis. Oh, uh, you're, 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 you're wrong about Jameis in this sense. You're right and you're wrong. He, the team has to play up to his level sometimes. And what I mean by that is they were horrible on third down against the New England Patriots early in that game. They, I think they were 0 for their first eight or something like that. I know they were 0 for 5 to start the game. And Cameron Brait in that football game dropped four passes. We've not seen Cameron Brait drop four passes maybe in a year, you right. know, all, all yeah. the whole season. He legitimately has proven to have some of the best hands, if not the best, most reliable hands, whether guys are hitting them at the time or not, of anyone on the football team. The receivers at times let Jameis down. And I, and I always say this, like, if the, if, the, if the guy delivers the football on third down past the sticks and the protection's good and he makes a good throw and you don't catch it, you don't make the contest – and they're all going to be contested. This is the NFL. You yeah, don't make the contested it. catch. You're taking away how many more plays? At least three, maybe sure. six, mm-hmm. maybe another, maybe another eight. I mean, so how do we know how Jameis would have done had he stayed in rhythm? You know, move the chains, get the play, throw another ball, complete it. This is the thing I mean. Like I went back, I didn't think he started well, and he missed throws to Doug Martin, so some of that was on him. But there were guys that didn't didn't make the plays that he did make, and you, you can't. It, it is a team game sometimes. Sometimes they're not up to his level, and 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 it, everyone's it all fits together somehow. Uh, and I I understand what you're saying. There were there were moments on that Thursday night game where Tom Brady threw some balls that had no business getting caught, and they got caught because they made great plays. Yeah, made great plays. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I'll buy that every now and then from Jameis. There are going to be games where guys drop balls yeah. and, and try, you know, but eventually he's got to start you know, fast. If, if, if it happens too often, then it's yeah. then it's more than just guys dropping a ball here and there. You know. Well, and there's a debate sort of going on too. I think in internally with them is like they see what he does in the fourth quarter right and they see that he is when you when you go no huddle well they've gotten no huddle in the first quarter too the problem is if you go no huddle and you go three and out at any point in the game you've used about 45 seconds of the clock and your defense is back on the field and they don't want to do that to their defense they want to play a complimentary game that's that's their goal I also think that in the fourth quarter when Jameis is behind or needs a drive He's willing to take a few more chances and sort of let it rip because you have to. You know, he's gone through a process right now where he's sort of stuck in the middle. He's being told you can't turn it over, especially early in games. It's 0-0. Don't throw a pick six. Don't give them field position. We got three or four quarters to go. So I think it's he told us today it's in the back of his mind all the time. Protect the ball. Protect the ball. And so, especially early in games, I think that's contributed a little bit to maybe you know him being ultra you know careful with ball placement, with you know certain certain decisions he makes, and and maybe that's why he's getting off to some slow starts. But as a team, do they have to start faster? Yeah, they do, and they need to. They need to when you're on the road, especially. You can't afford to fall behind two scores on the road. You just no. can't. Um, you have to you have to you know sort of jump out on somebody on an opponent on the road and and you know pretty much let them know hey this is going to be a tough day for you guys like we came here to play we came here to win this game and we're going to execute we're going to execute from the first snap and if you can't do that 
Then the crowd gets into it. Then you're facing all kinds of noise and, and momentum problems, and, and that's what home field advantage is in the NFL. So, yeah, it's on the quarterback. It's always on the quarterback. It will always be, no matter who the coach is, it'll be on the quarterback. But he's got guys that need to step up and play better than they did on Thursday night, and I would think that they would be. I hate to say it, Rick. I am uh, I'm two and two this year in terms of how I'm picking on the Bucks. I, I've picked them to win every game, and their two, their records two and two. So well, you're I'm just exact. They, you know what? They picked themselves to win every game too. <laughs> right, and so they're we're we're in the same line. Homer. I'm picking them. I'm picking them to lose on Sunday though, and ah, I pick them a go. low score, a low scoring game too. I I don't think they're going to score points. I think they're going to lose at something like nineteen to seventeen. I think was the score I picked for the paper. Again, no reason to believe why that's going to be the case. I just simply believe going out west and an offense that's still still stumbling around still trying to figure itself out a little bit doesn't score enough points and i picked them to lose 1917 you've picked them to win what well, not I every week to right? win two games the first two um yeah. and they lost to minnesota uh and then i picked them to lose the last two and they beat the giants and lost to um, the patriots the patriots so i'm yeah. i'm i'm with the bucks i'm two and two i can't i can't get them straight yeah. um but the reasons I, I think if you go back and you know, I thought it would be a really close game against the Giants. It was somehow Nick Folk made the field goal after missing all those kicks, um, and then last week I I did not see a nineteen to you know what was it fifteen game or whatever it was nineteen fourteen um, I guess yeah fourteen points won't win any games in the NFL nineteen points holding a team to nineteen should win most of them should win a lot so, of weeks yeah you know and the other thing that was weird is they won the turnover batter, battle and you almost never see them lose. If they're at least a plus one in the turnover, strangely, when they're even, they have a losing record and by a lot. It's odd. It's strange like that. So those two things sort of was was sort of an anomaly last week or on Thursday anyway. Um, but yeah, I I mean they have to start faster. There's no doubt that the offense can't leave the defense out there because I think the defense is good enough. You know, if they're going to give up points, they they typically make you earn it. They make you go the long way. They don't give up touchdowns. They might give up a field goal or so early. They're going to keep their team in the game. But you can't go three and out, three and out, and then pretty soon, you know, the dam's going to break. So um, I, I, I'm confident this week, for whatever reason, that there's urgency in that in that uh, locker room. There's urgency being imparted by the coaches. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. But this is not – repeat, this is not a great Cardinals team – they have not run the ball unless Adrian Peterson puts on a cape or goes back into his hot tub time machine from at least two years ago. I don't see this one getting out of hand, uh, and and we'll see if, if Jameis can continue protecting the football the way he's done three out of four games. So you're picking the Bucks. You're picking the Bucks. I'm to picking win this the game. Bucks. I, yeah, and I haven't picked them for two weeks. I feel pretty good about about their chances in Arizona. A weekend in the NFL, not not great games. Look, just looking over the schedule, the, the most intriguing game to me is Pittsburgh and Kansas City. I'm really curious. I don't know what we're getting with the Steelers from week to week. I think they're. I don't think they're nearly as good as a lot of people think they are. They were they were in the power rankings for a lot of people in the top two or three early in the season. And boy, just and I know we get we tend to sort of overreact uh, overreact to the last game you know they yeah. go out and you win and play well but i think kansas city's really good i think kansas city might be a team to beat in the in the afc kansas so I, city is not only really good they're the only undefeated team in the nfl right yeah that's right that's right and so and and they're and they're doing it um uh, alex smith right now is probably your mvp choice i would imagine um they have a rookie running back that's phenomenal they have offensive and uh, you know and andy reed is at his best calling plays right now 
he's got everybody, uh, you know, confused. But I'll say this about the Steelers because I, I went back and I sort of I saw some highlights or lowlights of, of like Ben's five interceptions and things like that. They weren't all on Ben. They just no, weren't. It's one was one and... was one should have been caught. It was knocked knocked out from behind the receiver, but it was in his hands. Uh, two other ones, he got pressure and and got knocked around as he was throwing the ball. Um, I you know Ben has a lot of pride. There's talk, and we've talked about it on this podcast about whether uh, are you all in or not. You know, there's two quarterbacks that seem like maybe they were talking about retirement. One came out of retirement, and Jay Cutler not playing well. The other one is Ben Roethlisberger didn't play. You know, had five interceptions for the first time in his career. But their defense is is legit. Like the Steelers' defense is pretty good. I still like Kansas City. It's in Kansas City, right? Yes. I still like them this week, um, but I. I think the Steelers are better than what they've shown. I, I don't think we know what the Steelers are just yet. And and also, they haven't started running the ball yet, Tom, the way they're going to. I thought no, that, hold out, that. that holdout a, affected them. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And they tend to run the ball as the weather gets worse and worse. It's so easy to fall in love with their receivers. It's so easy oh, to fall yeah. in love with Antonio Brown that you can just go out there and try to do whatever you want with him on most days. Because, you know, he can catch – he can easily catch 11 balls for 200 yards each and every week. Um, and it's hard to establish a running game when you're – when you're when it's so tempting to look out there and just throw him the ball. But um, but I, I, I think Kansas City wins this game. The other intriguing game, believe it or not, Rick, New England at the New York Jets. For first place in the Eastern uh, in the Eastern Division of the American Football Conference, I think I think they I think the Patriots destroy the Jets. This isn't a real come on three and two Jets. Nah, I'm not buying it. Well, you know, um, I think the Patriots win the game. I don't know if they're going to destroy him. I was reading a, I was reading an article just uh, on the side about um, an SI. I think it was on Josh McCown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh McCown, who's done this now since Tampa. I mean, everybody righted Lovey Smith for his idea, and two other franchises have tried the same thing, which is Cleveland and now the Jets. And he's actually playing really, really well against the uh, for the Jets right now. He went back and beat Cleveland last week, in fact. And it was kind of interesting in that he was talking about how many places he's played, and the most difficult thing is that his family does not live in the city where he's played. They haven't now for several several stints, you know, several years. Yeah. And he gets, he gets on um, – uh, I guess he FaceTimes, you know, with his family, with his kids. He said, and he's prone to hanging up, start crying, saying, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is awful. I got to stop. I miss my family. I miss... And then the home game comes, and they come to the game, and everything's good again. So it's just, it's like I was going to say, then, but... the, then the first and the 15th come every month, and you realize, well, uh, well, you realize Monday, why you're doing it. No, no it's actually every week. <laughs> it's it's every Monday. Monday. Is yeah. that how it works? Yeah, okay. Monday comes, and he gets his check. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's you know, it's really odd. But, you know, the Jets are the, the Jets might be one of the best stories in the NFL this year because they were supposed to be tanking for a quarterback. I know. And now the irony is, is that the other team in New York is going to maybe have the first pick and get what the Jets wanted, which is a franchise quarterback to replace Eli Manning. But they're like a minus 14, you know, uh, points differential. It's a big spread. The Patriots should know their way home. They should know how to, how to navigate this. Although that 142 points allowed in, uh, in five games. That's not good for the New England Patriots. Uh, Only 14 last week though. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't know if that was more Bucks than it was Patriots, but Patriots yeah. defense actually was not bad. I, I thought it was, I was fairly impressed with the with the Patriots defense. 
Rick, the other big thing going on this weekend, this Saturday, of course, of college football and the Florida Gators. This is a huge game for Jim McElwain. They got a Texas A&M team that's coming in here. And Florida's coming off a bat. I, what I thought was just an absolute horrible loss to LSU. You can't lose it. They were three seconds away from firing Ed Orgeron. They go into the swamp. They beat Florida 17-16. I was at that game. They had no clue what they were doing offensively most of the day. And they can run the ball a little bit, but not at not another 17 points in a college game. It's never going to work. But uh, now Texas A&M comes in. Texas A&M's not that good. But they're good enough to beat Florida at the Swamp. And I think if he, if he loses this game, and then after that you got Georgia coming up after that, they're not going to win that game. The buzzers are going to start circling around nah, Florida. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I, my, my friend Matt Baker tells me that Jim McElwain is safer now, which reminds me of Adam Schefter saying that about a coach that I once covered. Um, right, because his buyout, as Matt Baker pointed out in the Thursday's Tampa Bay yeah. Times, is like $12.5 million. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So, uh, you know, the, the most interesting thing about this game are the Gators uniforms. Let's start there. Yes. Um, don't know how they look on TV or if you like them or not. Jim McElwain I don't does. understand these camouflage, these camouflage uniforms on football fields because oh, the well, good news are, is these are reptil- reptilian. They're not camouflage, right? But they, they they sort of they blend in with the ground. So I, I'm look. Their quarterback has a hard enough time finding their receivers. <laughs> you guys are good on good on field. You're going to completely disappear. It's like predator or something. But it's going to be weird. Um, and then uh, I think that A and M. A&M can score enough points. This is not this is not a team that's incapable of scoring that they're playing this week. So it would behoove the Gators to uh, to not try to win with 17. You know, um, they they may need to score some points, which they just not have not proven able to do. And, and shout out to uh, I think it's uh, their place kicker from East Lake High, Camara. Uh, I think his name is kicked the 52 yarder last week. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm all about my Eagles, man. Sure, Eagles got in a little bit of trouble the other day. Did you see that? As a misunderstanding, Tommy. <laughs> Paperwork. There's a <laughs> we, a self-reported mistake. There clerical error. Clerical error. Should, should be no problem. Erroneous. Erroneous. I'm, I'm stunned if Florida's a favorite in this game. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. In this, they start to open up as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, the SEC, uh, these, the SEC should just do one of these – the SEC should just do one of these elimination uh, tournaments where each coach that loses should be fired. Like McElwain's had about four of these, but Kevin Sumlin, he's his seat. No one's seats hotter than that, right? right? So I mean, it's, like seriously, whoever loses should just be like, okay, I'm gone. But it won't. That, co- that entire conference is like that. It's, you're it absolutely right. Every it time is. you turn Butch Jones, you know They're what? All you're wrong. Fire. You're not. You're wrong. Kevin Sumlin doesn't have the hottest seat. Butch Jones has the Butch hottest Jones seat does, at, at Tennessee. Sure. And then That's if Jim McElwain loses a couple more games, he's going to be on a hot seat. And mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze has already been fired for other reasons, but they weren't doing well on the field. Uh, Brett Bielema at Arkansas, people are circling, you know, circling the – he's circling the drain there. Who? And I'm telling you, when you look at that, that SEC, I think Nick, Nick Saban has screwed it for everybody. I'm convinced that's why Urban Meyer's at Ohio State right now is that he had to get away from from Nick Saban. It's a, it's a nightmare of a conference if you're a coach, and yep. the pressure is so much on these guys. You you can't even go eight and four 
The McIlwain goes eight and four this year. I think he's actually do, does a heck of a job if he goes eight and four. Florida fans aren't happy with that. If that's what you're going to be every year, eight, they want to. You want to win national titles. You want to. Well, again, you want to be yeah, in the playoff. It's, it's not so much the record as show me the plan. You know what I mean? I think. Yeah. I think. I think alumni and them will buy in if you've got some hot freshman quarterback that you know is going to be, you know, up for the Heisman Trophy in a year or two. I just don't see that with McIlwain. I don't think he's done a good job recruiting, Tom. I, I, Which I, I can't. I can't disagree with that. I don't I'm see the, at the talent. Results. I don't yeah. see the. De- if he does get the talent, I haven't seen them develop. This is his third year, not his first or second, right? Yeah. So you know, we're still waiting on the quarterback. We're still waiting on some playmaking receivers. I know Callaway. And Callaway got suspended. They got, got a running suspended. back suspended. That, that they got some guys. Yeah, right. But nonetheless, you're Florida. I don't think Florida ever has an excuse. It's got the most resources of any university in this state. This is a state that's just laden with football talent. There's no reason for them to be outgunned by anybody. Having said all that, McIlwain, the way it's worked under McIlwain at Florida is they'll find a way to beat Texas A&M, and then you'll, they'll go up and play Florida the Georgia game at Get Jacksonville. By no, they'll, they'll somehow win that game. And you don't what? know how they do they'll, they'll win that game like 9-7. They'll kick There's three no field way. goals. I don't think that'll happen either. But if it follows McIlwain's history here, next yeah. thing you look up, everybody wants to fire McIlwain, and it's like, He's got 10 wins. Well, yeah. well, yeah, we're going to win the East. <laughs> yeah, we're going to play yeah. Alabama the SEC. Title get game. pasted, yeah. Yeah, I get pasted. But like you look back and say, well, we only lost two SEC games all year. That's right. Um, meanwhile, Jimbo's got some issues at Florida State. They played Duke this weekend. I don't I don't think Duke's any good. I don't, it's a weird I don't I don't want to play at Duke at Durham on a noon on a Saturday when you're struggling. They're they're their yeah. favorites to win that game, Florida State is, but I still think that they have too much talent to be where they are right now. I think you know, the whole season's been a wreck. They got injuries, and then the Hurricanes wiped out some games, and they probably should have beat Miami but didn't. This is a better team. It feels like there's a bet. it's a better team than uh, than what their record might indicate. Yeah, you know who else feels that way is their athletic director and the school president. And for that reason, Jimbo's not in trouble, but all his assistants are. There's yeah, talk just... already about, you know, the Lawrence Dossies and I don't know where the trick at the offensive line. I mean, there's going to be changes, I think, on Jimbo's staff. Lawrence Stassi, by the way, is hanging around long enough for Charlie Strong to leave USF, and then he takes over the USF job. That's my <laughs> that's my well, long term conspiracy. That plan. could be fifteen minutes from now because <laughs> I was say if they Charlie Strong, I'm telling 000, you, they're not. It's going to be them and UCF. That's going to be the deal right there, and yeah. somebody's going to go undefeated. Well, one of it, whoever wins that game, yeah, is going that's what I'm saying. And then the yeah. other team, I mean, that's what's going to come down to. I don't Lord, see anybody beating USF. But you're right. There, there are some some talk. There is a lot of talk about Florida State and their citizens, which I don't think is fair, Rick. Boy, Florida State's been such a dominant program, really. For uh, they've had a couple. They had a couple of hiccups at the end of the Bowden era, but boy, I, there aren't many coaches in the country who've done a better job than Jimbo Fisher. I'll, I'll give you that. I, that if I'm starting a program right now and I'm hiring a head coach, I'll take Nick Saban obviously as my as my coach, uh, and then I might go after. Um, Urban Meyer after that, and then uh, Jimbo might be next on my list. Ahead of my boy, Jim, Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, who finishes third in his division every year. He's yeah, one okay. in four against rivalry teams. We know the record, Tom. <laughs> we know the record. Um, no, I, yeah. I think Jimbo's done a fabulous job at Jimbo's State. Jimbo's done, done a really good And, and it, because of that, much is expected. Don't forget, they're not used to losing four games in a season or three games or, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're about ships, man, and they want to win ships. And, and now Clemson and Alabama have separated in both those conferences. I mean, I think – I don't know. And maybe North Carolina State gets Clemson, maybe. But that's about the only maybe left on their schedule, I believe. 
Yeah, uh, that's true. Although you never know. It's it's crazy. There's one week, like last year, uh, Pitt gave uh, gave Clemson fits. They did. They Pitt got very lucky to win that game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they lost. But I, th- I think Florida State figures it out this weekend against uh, against Duke. Duke. Yeah, I'll take Florida State in that game. And then USF plays Cincinnati at home. Cincinnati's two and four, and they're awful, Rick. They've lost their last three in a row. They got yeah. blown out by UCF in their last game. That game didn't even go to the end. I think they stopped it because of the weather. Uh, I can't imagine that they'll be a problem for USF. But then again, I keep waiting for the game that USF putzes around the first half mm-hmm. and, like they're prone to do. And somebody's going to catch them. And I just wonder, I, as bad as Cincinnati is, they're Division One players. You wonder if they're if one of these weeks, if if USF just clowns around enough early, that they they dig themselves a hole, and and just can't catch up just because they don't play well enough in the first half. Yeah, they're used to digging holes though, but they're also used to like you know ended up scoring sixty sometimes and and right. winning sixty to thirty. So. It'd have to be a pretty deep hole. I don't see it being Cincinnati, but I understand your point's taken. They they could they could um, get a little too high in the saddle before they get to the final week against UCF. It could happen. I don't see it happening this week. They're at home. You know, that crowd, Tom, that USF crowd. Crowd. <laughs> yeah, right. It may, makes life a living hell <laughs> for Charlie Strong. <laughs> no, you're right. It's it's, uh, it's a hard it's sell, a, man. It's a it hard is. Sell. It, it's hard sell. Here's the thing about USF. I'll say this: that that while they they screw around in the first half of these games, they don't fall behind. Because what ends up usually happening is you look up and say, uh, they're only winning by this much. So even though they haven't played well, they you had, they haven't had a game where they've had to come back from like three touchdowns down. No, they every game it's sort of like, well, wow, Stony Brook's only down ten at half, or uh, yeah, you know, this this team's only down a touchdown and it's mid second quarter. That team's all East Carolina still hanging around. It's it, t- other teams hanging around. They strike but in a hurry. Yeah. They, if they get to one of these games where it's where they they're down. You know, oh, I guess San Jose State. They got down to San Jose State earlier. Oh yeah, we got buried in that. But it was, you know, Cincinnati. If they were to get out to a like a twenty-one to six lead or something like that, one of these yeah. times it's going to happen if they, if they, uh, if they keep screwing up. But I don't think it's this weekend. Cincinnati's nope. not, not nearly good enough. I think it's going to be um, a good week for state schools, is what I believe. I don't think so. Not for Florida. Florida goes down. Florida you think loses. Florida goes down in A and M. Okay. Florida oh, State wins the one. Yeah. yeah, Florida State wins at Duke, and then USF has uh, no problem with Cincinnati. And then you and I, Rick, we're going to take off Saturday. We'll be in Arizona on Sunday. We'll record the podcast in Arizona Sunday night after the Bucks play the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Rick's got them down for a win. I got them down for a loss. And we'll be back here on Monday to tell you all about it. So have a great weekend, everybody. Rick and Tom Podcast, our thanks to Steve Verstick, our producer. And we'll talk to you Monday from Arizona. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.